Judges chapter 4, if you will. Uh, Judges chapter 4 and verse number 11. Uh, This is part 2 of a sermon that we started last week. And if you weren't here, don't worry. I will give a recap of of the important stuff and kind of get the flow of the story going again. And once you have found it, if you could stand to your feet, if you'd like, you can follow along on the screen. That's okay. But just out of uh, respect to God's Word, we want to stand if we can and uh, read the Scripture this morning. The Bible says in verse number 11, Now Heber, the Canaanite, which was of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had severed himself from the Canaanites and pitched his tent into the plain of Zanum, which is by Kadesh. And they showed Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, was gone up to Mount Tabor. And Sisera gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron, and all the people that were with him, from Herosheth of the Gentiles unto the river of Kishon. And Deborah said unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? So Barak went down from Mount Tabar, and ten thousand men after him. And the Lord discomfited Sisera and all his chariots and all his hosts with the edge of the sword before Barak, so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. But Barak pursued after the chariots and after the host unto Herosheth of the Gentiles, and all the hosts of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword, and there was not a man Left And let's pray. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for the opportunity to come and be in your house today. I know I've been strengthened. I know I've been challenged. And I know I've been encouraged. Thank you for your dear people. Lord, thank you for those guests you brought our way today. Lord, thank you for those returning guests and those who become, Lord, faithful and then become members and then core and very involved. And thank you for all those serving all over the church buildings today, our children, our nursery, Lord, our junior high, our teenagers, and Lord, our buses that were on, and Lord, later on today, our our shut-ins, our nursing home, and and then, of course, tonight, the service, and Lord, uh, people all over the Portland metro area have driven here today. Some are out-of-town guests, some are brand new, some are faithful and here every week, and I pray that their coming is not in vain. May they hear from you. May your message be preached, not from what I want to say, Lord, but what you would have for us. Lord, I believe you have several things for us today out of your word. And I pray that they'll be plain and clear and they'll resonate with us and challenge us and and, uh, pierce, Lord, our hearts. If there's someone here today that does not know you as their personal Savior, may they find you today. May they hear from you. May you touch their heart. May you work in their heart. Lord, be with the Mutchlers as they are out of town. Give them safety, Lord, as they're in Texas. Lord, may you use them today as they minister to those people. And Lord, I pray you'll bring them back safely. And Lord, I pray you'll be with us like only you can. Be with those who are at home, sick and afflicted. Those who are maybe at work or out of town. May they know they're loved and cared for. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Years ago, there was a couple who, uh, one was 92, and George and Edith, who was 89, and they decided they were going to get married. And uh, they were happy about their decision, and they went on a stroll to discuss the wedding. And as they strolled, they passed by a drugstore, and uh, George said, hey, let's go in. Let's go in the drugstore. So they did, and they went up to the pharmacist, and George said, are you the owner? The pharmacist said, yes, we're about to get married. 
Do you sell heart medication? George asked. Pharmacist, of course we do. How about support hose for circulation? Well, definitely, he said. What about medicine for rheumatism, osteoporosis, and arthritis? Yeah, we do all kinds of medicine. How about waterproof furniture pads and so forth? Yes, sir. Hearing aids, denture supplies, sleeping pills, Geritol, and Ensure. Absolutely, the pharmacist said. George said, what about wheelchairs or walkers or canes? All kinds and all sizes, he said. Why all the questions? George smiled and replied to the pharmacist, we'd like to use your store for our bridal registry. So, anyways, this morning I come to you and uh, love every single one of you. I just thought that was funny. That will be me one day, I'm sure. But uh, we see a group of people who find themselves in bondage to a very kingdom who they had already conquered in Joshua. Uh, The previous ruler there, Jabin, was conquered. And now they find themselves in bondage once again. Two, three weeks ago we saw uh, how Eglon had taken over Jericho, that mighty city, and had destroyed it. Now Jabin has the capital of Canaan. And once again, they're fighting, they're under oppression, mightily oppressed, the Bible says, by a man who had really, really already been conquered. And I don't know about you and I today, but maybe you are there. Maybe you feel like you've conquered something and you find it's back up again. We used the illustration of blackberries last week and how you cut those blackberries down, but until you get the resigns or the roots, they're just going to keep on going. And uh, that is what's happened here to these dear people. They find themselves, uh, after Ehud passed away, they find themselves in their, this uh, agony of a cycle. Number one, we, 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 we talked about, they forgot. They didn't forget God so much, but they forgot uh, God in their daily lives. And oftentimes we can have the head knowledge, but if we don't have the heart knowledge and allow it to stir our heart and move us, we're going to find ourselves getting in a cycle of forgetting God. And not only did they forget, but they forsook him. This led them to actually just pursuing after other gods and pursuing after other things. So because they did this, the Bible says that the streets became empty. Everybody became uh, uh, following after themselves in chapter 5. And uh, they became very selfish uh, and, and we see the adversary of the people came about next, and we see this through their flesh. Because they became selfish, they followed after other gods, and those other gods were Baal, who really promoted selfishness and promoted self-seeking, and everybody liked to worship Baal because Baal pretty much uh, 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 pre- was presented to them that if you worship Baal, you can do whatever you want, have whatever you want, instead of following a god who, who demanded uh, some things. And so because of their flesh, the Bible says there was war. Because they followed after other gods, there was war. And that war came from their foe. Their foe was a tyrant, King Jabin, who was already dealt with years ago. But now there's another Jabin coming up. And we see that just because you destroy that sin in your life, if you're not careful, it can creep back in again. Why? Because the devil is as a roaring lion coming to seek and to save, uh, not coming to seek and to save, that's Jesus, but coming to seek and to save, search you out and try to get you to be destroyed. We see through the tyrant, but also his strong tormentor, which was Sisera, his general, who had over 900 chariots of iron that had swords on it, that it was almost impossible to defeat. And if you ever spoke up, he would just drive right through you. 
And so he had them. And we see that was in Harosheth, which was a, an area of woods. And, and, and they would have to cut down trees and, and get them to the point where they would build these big towers. And they go from being enslaved by Pharaoh in Egypt and building these huge pyramids, pyramids out of mud and, and straw to now they find themselves in bondage, uh, building these huge towers for another king. They're not just oppressed, they're mightily oppressed, the Bible says in verse number three. And not only through forced labor, but through forced laying. We see Sisera not only made them do what he wanted, but he also would take their maidens and their damsels and put them with different uh, wicked uh, uh, other army men that he had and let them lie, force them to lie with him. And he say he was a very, very awful, wicked man. We find themselves in much bondage. And we saw from that that Satan's always trying to get us. And what he may promise much, but in the end it's just destruction. And in the end it's just pain. And in the end he just sucks the life out of us. We saw because of that, we see the accountability of a godly leader. So first of all, we must understand the agony of a cycle. We're all prone to forsake. We're all prone to forget. But we also understand that we have those who are coming after us. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Ourself, but also Satan. We must need, if we're going to reconquer the conquered, we must need accountability of a godly leader. We see that in Deborah. She heard the word. The Bible says she was the wife of Lapidoth, which means a keeper of the flame. She was in the temple. She would put the candles up. She'd keep them lit. While she was there, she heard the word, she heeded the word, and then she eventually heralded the word. And she calls out Barak and says, Barak, the people are crying out after oppression, and God has told me, you're the one that's going to lead them out. And he said, you need to sound the horn, and God will draw the enemy here, and God will deliver the enemy into your hands. So we see the action of his servant, number four. And we are, to reconquer the conquered, we must be willing to take action. We see his limited faith where he tells Deborah, are you sure? I'll go, but you're, you're going to have to go with me. And it's amazing how Deborah says, okay, I'll go with you, but you're not going to get the reward. You're not going to get the recognition that you're the one who destroyed. In fact, a woman will. Well, this turned into logical faith. And he says, I want you with me because of your expertise and being able to encourage the men. You're able to tell me instruction and you're able to help me win the battle. And so this logical faith turned into lasting faith because he ended up sounding the horn and blowing the horn. And the horn in those days, the children of Israel knew when you blow the horn, not only are you calling people together, but you're calling upon God and letting them know, God, I need you. We need your help. And so we see if you're going to reconquer the conquered, you must call out to God and let him know you need his help. We see the lasting faith, though. Barak, because of his faith, we see him in Hebrews as in the great hall of faith. If you're familiar with that chapter, Hebrews 11. So we see Barak is calling people together and getting them ready to go. And that's kind of where we stopped last week. We applied to it how oftentimes there's much human logic in the Bible that's defied by the very word of God. And oftentimes in your life and mine, we may question the word of God because it doesn't make sense. But we know if we'll do it, God always has a way of taking care of it. We talked about how the most uh, amazing logical thing is that the gospel of Jesus Christ, where Jesus Christ was willing to come and die on the cross to pay for your sin and mine. And if we'll but give our life to Christ, he will save us from our sin. And we implored us to get to know Christ and accept him into our life. 
And then number five today, we want to continue on and pick up where we left off, is the attitude of the followers. So if you're writing the attitude of the followers. And so Barak sounds the alarm, and really you'd think this would go out to all 12 tribes, but only two actually respond. What about the other 10 tribes? Well, the Bible really doesn't say much about them in chapter number four, but you have to turn over to chapter five to see more about these tribes that are mentioned. We see, first of all, the worried ones, the worried followers. The Bible says in verse number 10, it says in chapter uh, 4, verse 10, And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kedush, and he went up with 10,000 men at his feet, and Deborah went up with them. And so he calls out Zebulun and Naphtali. These are probably the ones who are under the most bondage. They're probably feeling the most pain. They're probably feeling the most tension. They're probably feeling the most conflict from Sisera. But we see that uh, they are willing to come. But what about those who wouldn't come? Well, the Bible says in chapter 15, 5, verse number 15, it says there, And the princes of Issachar, where Deborah went with Deborah, even Issachar, and also Barak, and he was sent on foot into the valley. For the divisions of Reuben, there were great thoughts of heart. In other words, Reuben was thinking about joining them. But what caused Reuben not to join well, the Bible goes on to say in verse 16, Why abodest thou among the sheepfolds to hear the bleedings of the flocks? For the divisions of Reuben, there were great searchings of the heart. Reuben thought about going. He really did think about going. But he didn't go because the sheep. He used it as an excuse. Reuben was a very powerful tribe. It was a potent tribe. And Reuben's tribe and their help would probably make a big difference to the war being won. But for whatever reason, some wanted to go, but the overall leader says, no, we're not going to go. Gilead, the Bible says in verse number 17, abode beyond Jordan. Gilead wouldn't come, but stayed home. Dan was too busy with their work, the Bible says there in verse 17. And why did Dan remain in his ships? Asher was too busy and refused to help. Asher continued on the seashore, the Bible says, and abode in the breaches. Why didn't these people come? Well, they could have been hesitant to help because they didn't have the faith to drive out the Canaanites in the first place. They had lack of reliance on God. They had lack of effort. They had fear of the enemy. Or perhaps maybe they were prospering under King Jabin. It's interesting to me that though these people should have been jumping at the opportunity to defeat these very oppressors, they instead chose, either out of fear or because of financial gain, to not go. But the most interesting thing, it wasn't so much a selfish reason, it wasn't so much because they were turning their back, Reuben would have gone if the leaders would have gone with them. But they didn't. And I find it interesting that sometimes in our life, when we want to conquer, reconquer the conquered, or we want to take a step of faith, or we want to grow in our Christian walk, the very thing that can hold us back are the very people that could help us the most. I don't know about you, but I was watching the Ducks game last night. I know, the Beaver fans, you did well as well, okay? Next week we'll see who's the best, okay? But there was coming down to the fourth quarter, the last potential game winner, sealer, and they lined up in all game. Bo Nix had been, the quarterback had been struggling on really with just one good leg and really did a good job. It definitely caused your heart rate to go up and down if you're a fan, that's for sure. But if you like a good game, it was a fun game to watch. 
And that last play, no one thought he would, but he did a quarterback sneak on that bad leg and ended up winning the game essentially for them. He was the game changer. No one would have thought that. And I find it interesting here, in their mind, if Reuben would have came, perhaps Barak was thinking, maybe if Reuben comes, we have a chance here. I know just Zebulun and Naphtali have come, but if Reuben could come, we have a chance. But Reuben decided not to. Isn't it interesting in your life and mine, sometimes the very people you feel like if you have on your side, you could be the game changer. But they refuse to come. And if we're not careful, sometimes we can get discouraged by those who refuse to help assist in the work of the Lord. I know we have a church of this size and everybody wants to get involved. There's different reasons for different people. But sometimes we can get discouraged in the work of the Lord. Why doesn't everybody want to go out solding? Why doesn't everyone want to help? Why, why doesn't everyone want to give? Why doesn't everyone want to serve? And I'm here today, sometimes not everyone does, but that shouldn't keep us from doing what's right and doing what God's called us to do. By the way, the darker the night, the brighter the light. And it has an opportunity for God and His grace and mercy and power to shine even greater. But we see it's interesting, the worried ones would not come. But I want us to see the willing ones, the willing ones. The Bible says in verse 14 and verse number 15 of chapter 5, Out of Ephraim was there a root of them against Amalek, after thee Benjamin. Among thy people, the princes of Issachar, the governors out of Zebulun. Zebulun and Naphtali answered the call. Zebulun and Naphtali were a people who God used in a fantastic way to decide that, hey, we're going to come. We see the... The willing ones. I just want to encourage us today to be willing to serve the Lord. The Bible says in verse number 10, 10,000 men came to follow their leader. The application today from this point is simply this. What worry is keeping you from being willing in God's work? Is it the worry over health, over finances, over maybe your body image? of your capabilities, maybe loved ones, maybe politics, maybe fear. What is keeping you from doing what God's called you to do? Sometimes not everyone will join the fray, but I promise you, if you'll go out by faith and you'll trust God, God will come through for his children. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Isaiah 44, verse 8. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have I not told thee from that time and have declared it? You are my, even my witness. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. I'm thankful today for a God who will go with us. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, I just know that God cannot lie. <laughs> and if you will go out by faith, God will Take care of you. I see, second of all, not only worry shouldn't keep you from doing God's work, but what busyness is keeping you from God's work? You know, there's a, there's a world to reach, and sometimes we can get so busy doing good things, but we forget to do the best thing. The best thing is what Jesus Christ commanded us when he left the Great Commission. Thankful for a church who as a whole, through all the years, we have a rich history of fulfilling the Great Commission. And may I encourage us to continue to go, continue to declare, continue to teach, continue to baptize, continue to train people for the harvest.
we see the attitude of the followers. But I want us to see number six. As Barak gets over this, he gets over Reuben not being willing to help. He gets over Asher and Dan and says, okay, we can still do this, Zebulun. We can still do this, Naphtali. Let's get together. We still have 10,000 men. We can still do this. And then after encouraging the morale that maybe has been weakening, we see the apostate of the comrade. Apostasy of the comrade. What are you saying, Pastor Justin? I'm simply saying when he finally gets them over this struggle, they find themselves getting betrayed by someone they should have thought they could trust. The Bible says in verse number 11, it says of chapter number 4, Now Heber, the Canaanite, which was of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had severed himself from the Canaanites and pitched his tent unto the plain of Zanum, which is by Kadesh. And they showed Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, was gone up to Mount Tabar. What a dirty dog. I mean, Barak's been training, slowly been getting this army together in pockets so that nothing uh, will be known to Sisera. He's slowly been getting them all together. And at that point, the very person that Barak probably thought he could count on, maybe, or at least maybe not count on, but at least would keep it quiet, was a person who spilled the beans. Now Heber, the Bible says, was the husband of Jael. Now why is that so relevant? Well, you'll find out in a little bit. But as of right now, you'll see he's the husband of Jael, which was the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses. Hobab, in other parts of Scripture, you'll see, was another name for Jethro. Jethro was Moses' father-in-law, and this was a descendant who had settled with the tribe of Judah. You can see that in chapter 1, verse number 16. So we see, even though they wasn't Israelites, we see they have descended, they have, they, have, um, they have lived amongst them, and they have become known as a tribe that could be trusted. They were nomadic settlements. They were like gypsies. They moved from place to place. The Bible says they had severed themselves. They had become a separate colony, and the Heber had, it, in fact, the leader there. And they had become their own person, and they had gone where the grass was better, maybe, or maybe it was more productive, more profitable for them. And the Bible says there in verse 17, For there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazar, and the house of Heber, the Canaanite, into the plain of Zanum, which is by Kadesh. Heber has sold himself to Jabin. He has sold himself to the person who he thought was going to be the winner. He had forsaken his countrymen. He had forsaken his comrades. And he had secretly joined himself to Jabin. He, Heber has led his family to Naphtali. And he tells Sisera, he says, Sisera, there's a mighty army being formed up, up top on Mount Tabar. You don't know about it. You haven't heard about it. But I've seen it. It's a powerful force. They've blown the trumpet. They're getting behind Barak. And they're ready to come and take out Sisera. Sisera responds by taking his army and going down. I just want to encourage us twofold application from this. First of all, we must understand two things about reconquering the conquered. And first of all, not everyone wants you to gain victory in the Christian life. Some want you to stay with them in a life of maybe defeat. Not everyone wants you to be encouraged. Some of you may, they want you to remain discouraged. Not everyone may want victory over your life in addiction area. Or maybe in an area of frustration. Or maybe a relationship struggle. They want you to stay miserable with them. Misery loves company. 
But I want to encourage us today that just because not everyone that you love or maybe everyone that you look up to or maybe everyone that you associate with doesn't want you to get victory, God still wants you to have victory in your life. And it's a personal decision that you must make. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Someone said this, Bad friends can ruin good habits. We must understand today that it's important who you hang out with. And there may be some relationships you need to sever. Why? Because you want victory. Booker T. Washington says, Associate yourself with people of good quality, for it is better to be alone than in bad company. Someone else said, Respect yourself enough to walk away from anything that no longer serves you, grows you, or makes you happy. Avoid the friendship of those who constantly inquire and discuss the flaws of others, and who are always talking about everyone else, decide today that you want to be around someone. By the way, church is a good place to be. If you haven't been encouraged today, or someone hasn't smiled at you, you must be sitting in the bad section. Okay. It's a happy place. We're glad you're here. Why? Because we have the joy of the Lord inside of us. If you can't listen to a choir special like ours this morning, something's wrong with you. You can't be happy about it. Why? Because God has given us the victory. Jesus Christ has saved us from our sin. Jesus Christ has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he arose for you and me. And he sits on the right hand of the Father. And one day he's coming out back again and going to make everything right here on earth. We can be happy. The second thing we need to understand, not just does not everyone want you to get victory, but second of all, it's important to understand that the disloyalty of a trusted comrade played into the very perfect hand, the plan of God. In verse number 7, the Bible says, God will draw and God will deliver. I don't know about you this morning, but it's important to understand that just because things aren't going the way you think, God is still working behind the scenes. All things work together for good. That's truth from God's word. I'm thankful for it. I know you're thankful for it. And we see this morning that just because the apostasy of a comrade, and it could have shaken Barak even more. I mean, the morale once again probably is falling with the truth. Here they thought they had an element of surprise at least, or perhaps maybe they weren't quite ready yet. Now they have to go. And it's interesting how Reuben not joining and now uh, Heber, the Canaanite flipping. What's going on? Don't you guys want? You're crying out. You're mightily oppressed. You're crying out for, for, for help. We're giving you the help you need and yet you don't want it. And how many times in our life can you know someone who cries out for help but truly doesn't want it? May I encourage us today to not just cry out for help but be willing to do what God wants us to do to get out of it. We see number seven. This leads to the arrogance of the oppressor. So once again, Reuben not joining was a very difficult thing. Asher, Dan, all them not joining. And then they have to deal with Heber who switched sides on him. And now they have to deal with the overall oppressor. We see the arrogance of the oppressor. Now Sisera really fully comes on the scene because of his chariots. The Bible says in verse 13, Sisera gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron and all the people that were with them. He realizes that Barak's coming in full force. They're crying out to their God. Oh no, let's bring out the whole brigade. We see his comrades join him. The Bible goes on to say, and all the people that were with him from Harasheth of the Gentiles into the river of Kishon. Man, he's feeling pretty good about himself. He's got his iron chariots, which has to this point always won for him. He's got all his comrades. He's ready to go. 
But the Bible says in Proverbs 16, verse 18, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. We see in his pride, God says, You're pride, buddy, but guess what? Your time's to come. And we see the arrogance of the oppressor. So now we have Barak. We have his army. He's kind of put together. We have them discouraged because of Reuben and Gad, Asher and Dan not joining. And then they're, they're discouraged because uh, Heber turned on them. And now they have Sisera really getting ready and amping up. Can you imagine how these 10,000 people are maybe getting a little fearful? What's going to happen? Is this really going <coughs> to be turn out okay? Is God really going to deliver? And that brings us to another character who has been woven in the whole time, but we're really going to see his hand at work. And number eight, we see the awesomeness of God. The awesomeness of God. The Bible says, And Deborah said unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? Zechariah 14.3, the Bible says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. And now God's going to come into the picture. All these promises, all these commands, all these faith, steps of faith. Now the time is coming. God is going to show himself. But he's only going to show himself if his people obey. And how is that? I see, first of all, through the obedience of his servant. The Bible says next, so Barak went down. Though the powerful tribe of Reuben won't come. Though Asher and Dan and Judah, though Heber had, had, had forsaken him. Though Sisera stood there like an infordable flow and he looked like there was no way they could penetrate, Barak still went down. Isn't it interesting to me? I, I've, I love the movie Hoosiers. I'm from Indiana. And you see this small town, uh, a country school, go all the way up and they go to the state championship and they come to this huge, big arena. There's fans everywhere. And the coach there, played by Gene Hackman, gets a, he brings them all together with the crowds everywhere, and he gets a tape measure, and he measures the rim all the way down. He looks the whole court and said, man, he paces it off. This is the same size court as back home. Same size rim as back home. You guys are going to be okay. It's interesting, Barak does the same thing. He says, all right, guys, I know this looks awful, but I believe that God's going to come through for us. Let's just go. So what happens? They start going down a 13-mile trek. They leave the safety of Mount Tabor, which was almost impenetrable. They leave the safety of the hills. They start going through the hills, where the only time the Iron Church have ever been defeated through Israel's history has been when they got them in the hills. They start coming down the hills, if you will, and they start coming down to the valley. 13 mile trek. Can you imagine what's going through the heart and going through the, the, the mind of each one of those soldiers? Barak, you better not be lying to us. Barak, I could imagine Sisera is starting to maybe laugh. Maybe the armies are starting to laugh. Maybe it's getting a little bit intense. Maybe the drums are starting to roll. Maybe the guys are, the, the, their hearts in their throat. They feel like they swallowed a cotton ball. We're going to be just slaughtered. And they leave the safety of Mount Tabor. They leave the safety of the hills. And they start coming down. I want us to see today not only the obedience of the servant, but the awesomeness of God through the obedience of his storm. 
The Bible says in verse number 15, And the Lord discomfited Sisera and all his chariots and all his house. All right, let's go home. What? I mean, here you have an army 13 miles down. They're about ready to come to Sisera. And all the Bible says was, the Lord discomforted them. Now, yesterday we were watching a, a cowboy movie, old, old one with Kirk Douglas. And he was fighting with this guy on, the, on this wooden drawbridge. And the, each, each time they thought, you know, we're about ready to die. And they come back, you know, they're fighting. And uh, my kids were on the side. Oh, what's going to happen? Daddy, what's going to happen? And I'm thinking, it's fine. Kirk Douglas is the main character. He's going to be okay, you know. <laughs> but they're sitting there. What's going to happen? Why did God leave out so many great details? Well, if you look at the word discomforted, it's a Hebrew word, jaham. And it shows that they were discomforted with great terror and noise. So we know at least there was terror and noise. There was perhaps thunder, maybe even lightning, maybe even a voice from heaven. But what really happened? Well, flip the page to chapter 5, verse 20. The Bible says they fought from heaven. The stars and their courses fought against Sisera. The river of Kishon swept them away. Wait a minute here. Why would have Sisera came down with all his chariots over to the river when he knows that in the mud the chariots will not go? Well, most commentaries believe that this was a dry season. This soil was like it was packed road. So every advantage was Sisera's. So the very fact that there was not much water, how did the floods, how did the rivers, how did the rivers wash them out? Well, the Bible says, Oh, my soul, Kishon swept them away. Thou hast trodden down strength. Josephus says this, As soon as the armies were engaged, there arose a prodigious tempest of hail and rain, which drove in the faces of the Canaanites an occasional total rout of them. Now, I don't know exactly how this happened, but I do know the Lord discomforted him by a great noise and the river swelled and washed him out. So the only thing I can conjecture is simply this. God sent a rainstorm and a rainstorm like no one's ever seen before. And that river washed away. The, the soldiers realized uh, uh, the, those chariots aren't worth anything. So can you imagine right about the time these 10,000 men go from the mountain down to the valley and they're about ready to be killed? The storm comes, and they see the soldiers running right in front of them. And basically, they just start taking care of business. And I find it interesting today that oftentimes the steps of obedience are the hardest. But when you start taking them, God starts making it look easy. And oftentimes, we can get caught up in how hard it could be. And God's saying, will you just trust me and go? I think of Brendan Morgan, who was here a couple weeks ago, a missionary to Japan. God worked on his heart. He had six beautiful children, a successful career in the Sacramento area. But God says, I want you to go. Why Japan, out of all places, one of the hardest languages to learn? Why not go to Peru, where my wife's from, where I already know Spanish? Why not go there? No, God says, I want you to go to Japan. And so he stepped out by faith, and God is opening a door. I think of Brother Kennedy Menendez, and Anchorage, Alaska, one of our our deacons here had a great job, had a great house, had a great ministry here. When they heard about a need in Alaska, a church plant that was getting started, they just need a pastor. They had a building. They had some people there. They just need a pastor. He said, I'll go. 
He stepped out by faith, and by his faith, and by his hard work, and by his obedience, God has blessed. And I want to encourage us today that why don't you decide to take a step of faith and let God show his awesomeness through your life. Don't think it's all about you or what you did. Realize it was just by your simple obedience, and God says, hey, let me help you. And so we see that God calls, use Barak, but so it seems they had little else to do but to kill those whom God, by more powerful arms, had put to flight, one commentary said. And I just think this morning we can learn from this, that we serve a powerful God, and the same omniscient God that helped Barak is the same omniscient God who wants to help you today. The same omnipotent God, the all-powerful God that helped Barak, is the same omnipotent God who wants to help you today. The same omnipresent God that helped Barak is the same all-knowing God that wants to help you today. The same sovereign God that helped Barak is the same sovereign God that wants to help you and me today. Well, they had cut down the blackberry bush, if you will, but they still have to get to the root. The Bible says in next verse there, Howbeit Sisera fled away on his feet. This amazing man, this impenetrable man, this awful wicked man who had tormented men and women, young ladies, this formidable man finds himself fleeing when he sees that they're going to be destroyed. What a weak leader. And the worst part of their army getting defeated, he runs. He leaves his, his general chariot and takes off. Where is he going to go? Well, that brings us to number nine, the assistance of an unlikely woman. The Bible says he goes to the feet, to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber. Remember Heber? He's thinking, where can I go? Surely all of Israel now is starting to get on board with this. I'm sure Dan and Asher, I'm sure even Reuben's thinking, oh man, we should have went. And they start maybe banding together and saying, okay, let's go. And we see Sisera flees up. And the one place he goes is, I can go to Heber. Heber is the one who betrayed Israel to begin with, so surely he will save me. We know that's kind of where they were. They were close by there in Aphelite, so he runs there. And when he gets there, he's met by Jael, the wife of Heber. And she says, hey, why don't you come into my tent? Now, it's important to understand that you never went into the tent of a woman that you were not married to. It was an unthinkable thing to do. But he goes in there and he says, hey, surely if I can go in there, they'll never look for me here. We see Barak's trying to find him. Everyone's coming after him. And Jael says, hey, come on in. Let me get you some milk. You can rest a little bit. She put a cloak on him and he falls asleep. And the Bible says in verse number 19, in verse number uh, 20, stand in the door of the tent, he says, if anybody asks, say, no, I'm not in here. Verse 21, then Jael, Heber's wife, took and nailed the tent and took a hammer in the hand. Can you imagine? I can see some of you ladies doing this, you know. <laughs> Nail in one hand, hammer in another, here it goes. Now, you have to understand that back in those days, whether you agree or not, it was a woman's job to put up the tent, to drive the nails in. Now, men, can you imagine this? Next time you go, ha- go camping, say, babe, you got the tent. I'll go find some wood for the fireplace, you know. Yeah, you might not have some very happy wives, okay. But in those days, that's just the way it was. I'm not saying it was right or wrong, but that's just the way it was. And Jael takes this hammer, takes this nail, and while he's sleeping, of course he's tired, he's been fighting all day, 
she drives that nail into his temple and just kills him. Okay. Well, what happens? Well, Deborah prophesied this. A woman got the glory for defeating Sisera. An unlikely woman who Sisera thought, she surely agrees with Heber. Surely she'll save me, but I think maybe Jael had thought about all them women that Sisera had forced himself onto and all the destruction he had made to woman. And she said, now it's my turn to bring some pain into your life. So it's interesting that God uses people sometimes that we wouldn't think he could. Why? That no flesh, as we learned last week, a couple weeks ago, should glory in his presence. 1 Corinthians 1, 29. But it's interesting, Barak didn't stop with slaying all the men in verse 16. The Bible says all the men were slain, not a man left. But he pursued Sisera in verse number 22. In verse 23, he pursues he. He pursues Jabin, and verse number 24, he destroyed everything. And I think it's important that we understand, not only does God use unlikely people, but God also blesses the person who decides to finish the job all the way. See, sometimes in Israel's history, they hadn't defeated everybody. They had saved some things, but not, 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 not Barak. He made sure to get Sisera. He made sure to get Jabin. He got every single person that he needed to do. And I think of us today, God has called us to do some things as Christians in 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear their land. I think we as Christians today need to understand that it's our responsibility to do our part to get a hold of God's attention. Psalms 139, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. What happens? Well, the enemy has been destroyed. And now the children of Israel have a T in the road. What are they going to do? Well, if you come back Wednesday night, I'll tell you what they did. Okay. Um, There's just no way I can get it all done today. But uh, uh, really the last point will tie in beautifully to the Thanksgiving service. So I'm going to share that on Wednesday. But I really want to encourage you today that just like Barak and the children of Israel need to trust in a Savior, your sin and I sin pushes us for the need of a Savior. The Bible says, Wherefore is by one man sent into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. No matter how good you are, you've still sinned, and it's keeping you from your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's keeping you from God. You have been broken fellowship. You're at odds, and nothing you can do, no matter how good you can be, you can get to heaven, because the Bible says, for the wages of your sin is death and hell. Whether you like it or not, your sin is keeping you from God. And the only way to figure that out is either, one, to go pay for your sin and die forever in hell, or two, Let Jesus Christ pay for that sin for you. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The Bible says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Will you call upon God today for your sin? Will you call unto God today for you to have a relationship with him and him for to cleanse that sin in your life? Will you allow God to change your life? 
every head bowed, every eye closed today. Maybe there's someone here that would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I am like the children of Israel who have gotten into sin and need a Savior, and I need Jesus Christ in my life. Will you pray for me? I want to become a child of God today. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, we don't want to embarrass anyone. No one looking around, but how many would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, that's me. I want to invite Jesus Christ to my life. If that's you, will you slip up your hand this morning? I want to pray for you. Anybody this morning? Anybody at all? You say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I'll be honest with you. There's some things in my life that I need to reconquer, and I learned today that even though not family, not all these friends want want, want to encourage me, want to help me conquer that, that needs to be reconquered, I realize that I need to take the action and I need to allow God to do something awesome in my life. My faith is struggling. Maybe my faith is weak. Maybe there's something in my life that I just need to give to God. And will you pray for me that I'll have the courage to still go forward, even though the Rubens don't associate, even though the Hebrews turn their back, if you will, even though Sisera's oppressing me, Satan's oppressing me, the world of flesh and devils coming at me, I'm still willing to do what it takes to reconquer the conquered. If that's you, will you slip up your hand this morning? I want to pray for you. God bless you. I see those hands all over. Maybe there's someone here today that would say, you know what, uh, Pastor Justin, I, sometimes I feel like that unlikely person that God used. And I'm willing to, even though I feel like I'm all thumbs, even though I'm not very talented, though I'm not very athletic, though I'm not very gifted, I'm willing to give God what I have and let him use me. Will you pray for me today? If that's you, will you slip up your hand? God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. And then last but not least, may I encourage us, to allow God to work through us so we can do greater things for him. Will you put God to the test? Will you step up by faith? Will you put God first in your life? Will you allow God to change you? And then maybe someone would say, Pastor Justin, I have a burden or a care. I have something I'm dealing with that's really holding me back. I feel like and I just need to give it to God today. Will you pray for my burden today? If that's you, will you slip up your hand? God bless you all over. Lord, you see the hands, you know the hearts. I don't know what everyone's going through, but I do know that you have the answer. Lord, I pray that you'll help us today to put you first. Lord, I pray you'll help those today who have been challenged in the area of trusting you more. I pray you'll help those today who've been challenged in the area of just uh, giving it to you. They, even though their family or their friends or their coworkers or their neighbors or maybe even uh, those who they look up to don't, aren't for them going forward and doing right, may they still do right and please you. I pray you'll help them to trust on you and let you do some great things through them. I pray that you'll use this story, Lord, uh, that is so powerful. Maybe we feel like the 10,000 that are going down the road and we feel like we're wide open, we're vulnerable, we're, we're, we're open to attack and, and we're just trying to trust you and do right. May you come through us. May you bless us maybe in the area of tithing. Maybe we're not ready to take that step, but we believe we need to tithe or we believe we need to serve or we believe we need to uh, share our faith. We, we believe we need to get involved and serve. I just pray you help us to just take that step of faith. And you'll bless us for it. Or be with those burdens, those cares people are carrying. Maybe there's someone here that needs to put their faith and trust in you. I pray that you'll touch their life. And I pray you'll be with those maybe that need to follow you in baptism or join the church. But you'll touch theirs as well. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet, we're going to have just a time of invitation. Maybe God spoke into your heart today. 
Maybe the Lord has touched your heart. Well, I encourage you today to come forward. Maybe you'd like to place your membership here. Maybe you'd like to follow it in baptism as one of our children are today. I encourage you maybe to make that decision. Maybe you'd like one of our pastors to pray for you. I know they'd love to. Or maybe you'd like to just stay there and spend some time with God. Or maybe you'd like to come to an old-fashioned altar. We want to help you and assist you in any way we can as you take those steps of growth in your life. Father, we love you. Thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for the the work that you've done throughout the Bible to spread your truth. And Father, we pray that as the word was preached this morning, that you'd work on our hearts, that you'd help us to apply it to ourselves. God, thank you for the grace and the wisdom that you've given our pastor. And I uh, pray, Lord, that you'd help us as we strive to apply that truth to our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, Pastor Justin just went upstairs. We're going to have a baptism here in just a moment. The Stork family um, has uh, their daughter, Amberly, is going to get baptized here. And so uh, we'll be uh, watching that baptism here in just a second. In the meantime, we have an announcement video. So we're going to play that video right now. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's sermon from Pastor Layman was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for the Lord's Supper, as well as another powerful sermon from Pastor Layman. Giving Tuesday is coming up on November 29th. Starting on this nationally recognized day, we'll be raising funds for the Family Center. A large donor has promised to match the first $70,000 that comes in between November 29th and the end of the year. So mark your calendars to be a part of this special giving opportunity for our gym. The church office is preparing the 2023 personal tithing envelopes for our members. Could you help us in staying up to date with your giving envelopes? If you would take just a minute to stop by the welcome desk and let us know if you would like to receive a set of 2023 personal tithing envelopes or if you have received them in the past and would like to opt out due to online giving. And if we do not get a chance to hear from you, we will mark you as your preference was for last year. Join us for a special Thanksgiving service on Wednesday, November 23rd at 7 p.m. It will be a time of singing, testimonies, and thanksgiving to the Lord. Don't miss our new sermon series, I Saw, starting next Sunday during the 8.30 and 11 a.m. services. 
we'll be taking a special look at several individuals throughout the Gospels who got to see Christ firsthand. Don't forget to bring in your gifts from the Giving Tree. Our goal is to provide gifts for a special bus ministry Christmas party on Sunday, December 18th. Simply choose a label off our Giving Tree and buy an age-appropriate gift for around $10. Then attach the label to your wrapped gift and place it back under the Giving Tree or bring it by the church office by Wednesday, December 14th. Don't miss the musical Christmas program, Believe. Friday, December 9th at 7 p.m. and Sunday, December 11th at 11 a.m. This musical program features full orchestration as well as our adult, teen, and children's choirs. Join us for the special time of Christ-centered music for the whole family. Please note that our Sunday school time will be abbreviated to facilitate our musical presentation. There will be a shortened connection group period from 10 to 10.30 a.m. on this special day. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you tonight at 5. Stork family. Connor got saved and baptized a couple months ago, and that's a reminder to us all to be diligent and, and leading our family closer to the Lord and what a testament this family is to our church. And so the servant said, Lord, has done as thou commanded, and yet there is room. And so I hope you have a great evening. God bless you. And you are dismissed. God bless you. Thank you for coming. <laughs>